I spoke to past guests in front of the show, Porrick Riley, recently in what was the first video edition of this podcast, and that can be seen on YouTube by searching Off The Lead. You'll find my channel and you'll find all the content there. But what came out of the wash in, in our conversation was this idea of bullying being universal, it being found cross-culturally in every corner of the world. It's not a Navin thing, it's not an Irish thing, it's not a European thing, it's not a Western thing, it's, it's ubiquitous, it's, it's everywhere. And it's universally understood as a bad thing, something that needs to be stamped out. Every school in the world, as far as I'm aware, has some form of anti-bullying policy, sorry, for want of a better term. And it's just made me think, and it made me think on that episode, and I tried to, to draw an analogy between bullying and fighting, because fighting is viewed in the same light as bullying is as inherently bad and something that's not to be tolerated. And you're far more likely to get expelled for fighting than you ever are to get a gold star for it. And the same can be said for bullying. You're you're never going to win an award for the best bully, but you'll sure as shit get fucked out of school for for being a bully, say. And with fighting, the literature shows quite clearly that the more trained you are, in fighting, the less likely you are to get involved in a fight. And I'm wondering, is there some crossover there with bullying? If people were trained in what bullying was and, and essentially how to do it, people, I think, will be a lot quicker to recognise themselves doing it, whereas they mightn't have had without the training. And it might also enable, as part of the training, you might enable people to... Uh, to better deal with the inevitability of it and to see the signs of it starting because these things typically, they have a start. It's not as if you walk in one day and everything's fine and then you walk in another day and all of a sudden you're being bullied. Like there are, there are markers. I mean, most people, I would argue, can look at hundreds of kids walking in or out of a secondary school and you could pick out the guys who you reckon are going to get bullied. Worse again, you could pick them up, out of, you could pick them out in a lineup. Do you know, like, if you just got 2,000 teenage boys or girls to stand up against the wall and you just walk down them, I reckon with a relatively high degree of accuracy, you could pick out the people who were going to be, you know, prime bullying targets, basically. Now, maybe not everyone is the same. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't speak so broadly. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, maybe it's because of my own makeup that this is something that I have, but I'm inclined to doubt it. it. It's so obvious to me. I'd struggle to, I'd struggle to see how somebody else wouldn't see the the same things that I see. And again, it's very much something that you feel, you get. You mightn't be able to put your finger on exactly what it is about this person that's going to make them a prime target for a bully, but you just, it's it's an instinctive thing. You you, you get it more than you know it. And. These kind of thoughts have me thinking of conscription. So my understanding of conscription is that if Ireland, for example, was to be invaded by the Brits, the Irish would be forced to conscript members of the public, which would basically mean that any man, for example, between the ages of, I don't know, 18 and 60, had to join the army, and that's what conscription is. And there's conscription in in plenty of countries. You don't have to be at war for it. I believe in Russia and in Poland, I think, 
that's just this is just I this isn't a very well thought out topic, guys, and I just have to I suppose I have to interject here with something because I've a hell of a lot more listeners these days. I don't have a degree in this. This isn't my area of expertise. I'm talking about bullying now. I was talking about freedom in the previous episode. The next episode could be on chairs or wavin pipes or curtains or god knows what okay i speak freely about a million and one different topics and i'm not technically qualified to speak about any of them so just to to, to parse that just to, to get that out of the way but in the idea of conscription i think there's something to it because i think in in ireland in particular we've become we've become weak i think as as a nation i mean when i I could probably name off the top of my head 50 people who are there, thereabouts my age, in their mid-30s, say, okay? I could name 50 of them, and out of that 50, Jesus, actually, worse again, out of everybody that I know, I could probably name three or four people that are, that I would consider to be manly men, whatever that is. Not a very well-defined term, but... Lads, lads who, lads not, who not only wouldn't be bullied, but wouldn't tolerate being bullied for a fucking second. Like, like someone like me, like good luck trying to bully someone like me. I'll put you back in your fucking box so fast you won't believe it. Like, and that's something that, like I spoke about in the previous episode, that's something that I'm biologically predisposed to be. If for no. If for no other reason that I'm, I'm five foot eleven and you know ninety odd kilos, I'm of a, a skint head as well. I know that's not biology, but I mean I'm I'm not. I don't. I don't scream victim, from from an optics point of view. I don't look like somebody that would shy away from an altercation, and that's physically, psychologically, I'm not that way inclined either. I mean, good luck with trying to put me down or bully me in general whatever way that may form whatever form that may take I mean that's just it's just not fucking happening but I've been lucky in a sense that I've played hurling I've played football I've played rugby I've done the whole martial arts things I've fought competitively and not everybody is going to have had access to those kind of things and I think conscription to some degree helps help people become stronger. And I don't mean just physically, I mean kind of mentally and emotionally. More resilient. And I like the idea of having an armed populace. And I'm not talking about weapons. I'm not talking about having... This has nothing to do with gun control or anything like that. But I think that people, and this isn't just for men either. The physicality of it, I suppose, is just for men for the most part, broad sweeping generalisation alert. But for the women as well, like I, I think we should intellectually arm ourselves. I really do. I think that we should be I think that we should be what's the term? If there is one. Intellectually hard. You know like you know that that idea of a like of a hard man? That only in relation to uh, to your mindset, to your will. To your, to your sense of self I think that we should be resilient and defiant and accountable and robust and not easily pushed over and not easily discouraged and not easily persuaded 
and I think for the most part we've we've lost a lot of that and are losing more of it all the time I think we're we're being you know day by day inch by inch pushed into complacency you know the so many modes of being are being decompartmentalized so law and order is the guards you know justice is the justice department education is the department of education and our our own being is being shelved slightly or massively depending on what way you look at it and I know I'm obviously not very clear on what it is that I have to say here and a big part of that is because I'm not entirely sure myself I'm I'm wading into deep waters here I'm, I'm, I'm stepping way outside my area of expertise not that I have one but I'm I'm playing with the idea. That's another thing myself and Podge spoke about the other day. Podge being Porrick Riley. This idea of playing and how important it is to, to, to just enjoy the act of doing something without there being a, a particular purpose, say. Like kids do. I mean, kids go off and they play for hours on end. Have they got anything to show for it at the end? No. Did they have the time of their fucking lives? You better believe it. And we don't do enough of that. We don't. What I'm doing here now is I'm playing intellectually. Where myself and Podge sat down for that video recording, and I said it in that episode as well, I was playing with the set. I was playing video production. Playing a video production game, basically. And I was playing dress-up to a certain degree, pretending to be the host of a chat show. And it was fun. It was fucking great. Like, And I had a marvellous conversation with him. Three hours of talking about God and consciousness and philosophy and education and spirituality and everything and anything. It, it, was, it was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm left now, as opposed to the kids who just play and that's great. I got to play and that was great. But now I have a, a three-hour piece, a, 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 a product. And a big part of what made that possible is my is my being comfortable with it not working out right, of it not being perfect. And that that's another form of resilience. Being okay with who and what you are and enjoying the journey. And having having goals absolutely and having a, having an idea of where where you want to end up, but not having mapped out every step there is ahead of you. You're, you're meandering, the landscape shifts. As you do one thing, your environment changes. And you have to adapt, and that's what we do as human beings. We're, we're incredibly adaptable. But these days, our society is just flattening the landscape. And they're making it into a... They're making our lives almost into like a, a city grid. And in doing so, I think that they're they're stealing our journeys from us. And that's what being off the lead is. Being off the lead is not sticking to the pre-described route from fucking cradle to grave. Being off the lead is, I don't know, wandering around a little bit. You know, like the dog that's off the lead, it doesn't... It won't run off ahead of you only to be at the end of the walk that you are going to go on. I mean, it, it, it's gone. It's sniffing this tree, that tree. It's doing what it fucking wants. And it's free. 
and you can see it. You can see it in the fucking eye. You can see it in the body language of the dog. You don't need to be any kind of a an expert in canine communication. You can just fucking, again, you feel it. You, you mightn't be able to write down exactly what it is that you're looking at. You mightn't be able to describe the phenomenon that's unfolding in front of your eyes, but you fucking get it instinctively. And you get it with people too. Think of the people that you know and think to yourself, which out of the people that you know, whom out of the people that you know, if anyone, is living their life the way they want to? As opposed to having to do this because it's their job or having to do that because it's where they live or having to do that because of this, that or the fucking other. We're losing our autonomy. And the more of our our autonomy that we lose, the more of it we're going to lose. And there's something about that idea of training to be a bully or training to be a fighter or conscription. There's something about those things that intellectually arm us. Like, our, our leaders don't respect us, I don't think. There's a, a quote by a guy called Michael Malice that I'm a fan of. And I might be paraphrasing this slightly, but it's something along the lines of people who need leaders are unqualified to choose them. And I really like that. There's something, there's something about that sentiment. People, the kind of people who need leaders, who need to be led, are exactly the type of people who are unqualified to pick those leaders and if I could click my fingers and do anything it would be to raise the bar on Irish people generally or the world generally I pick Ireland because I'm Irish you know it's just it, you, you think what comes first to mind is what's familiar to you and I think it's in it's in it's in embracing it's in embracing difficulty that we that we get stronger in character. Not not I don't I don't mean in lifting fucking weights and being physical and being tough. I mean toughness of character. I think that comes with with voluntary hardship. Because there's there's any amount of hardship in life. And the more hardship you get, the less able you are for more hardship, it chips. The hardship chips away at you, but voluntary hardship that bolsters you. When you go out of your way, like I did when I released Mother Lover, or uploaded Mother Lover, I didn't quite release it, not just yet. Maybe I'll do a vinyl edition. I'm accepting vinyl edition pre-orders for Mother Lover on oh eight nine sixty forty seven eight eight eight. But all jokes aside, I think there's something to just this idea of, of, of arming our society. And again, I don't mean with fucking weapons, okay? I don't mean violent protest. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is just every man, woman and child in the country striving to be stronger mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. You fucking name it. Because I, I think that's the... That's the primary thing that needs to change we need to fucking toughen ourselves up because I just see weakness I see weakness everywhere and it's no fucking wonder you know ecological collapse global warming species extinction fucking refugee crises homelessness you know everything's so fucking terrible how could you how could you imagine thriving in such an environment 
But until we thrive personally, until we get on top of our own shit, until we, until we get over some of our own insecurities, and until we start voluntarily taking on hardship and bolstering ourselves, until we do that, we're no addition to anybody else. You can't fight on behalf of somebody else if you can't fight for yourself. Now on that somewhat rambly note, I'll chat you soon.